Kaiser Playhouse has brought shows like Les Mis and Mamma Mia to Brevard County. Using a mix of local talent and professional actors, the theater in downtown Titusville has become known across the county for its quality productions. Welcome to I Am Brevard, I'm Isadora Rangel. Today I'm going to meet the man behind the success of the Playhouse, General Manager and Artistic Director Stephen J. Heron. Heron has a larger-than-life personality and a passion for musical theater. We talked about how he got into theater growing up on a farm in Alabama, how he put together Les Mis, and what shows he still wants to bring to Titusville. Steven, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So before we move on, I want to talk to you about how you put your shows together and how you find your local talent. But first, let's start with uh, this season. What shows can we are we going to see uh, throughout the season? Well, uh, we have running currently uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and it's it closes this Sunday. So uh, come out and get tickets, and it's a great show. Then uh, for Christmas time, we've got an incredible show. It's a Wonderful Life, the musical. It's a new musical that uh, has not been seen here in Brevard County. And then in January, we have La Cage uh, Then following that, Man of La Mancha, uh, a of dancing classic Thoroughly Modern Millie and then wrapping up our 54th season at the Titusville Playhouse we have a little show called Rent which is amazing. <laughs> so tell us about the Hedwig what is it about and Hedwig is an interesting show it's only a two-person show it is a musical uh, it originally played off-Broadway in the late 90s early 2000s and uh, it is about a a guy that has grew uh, that grew up in East Berlin and is now a rock star. Uh, well, he cultivated a rock star in in the United States, and uh, it's it's an interesting show. Um, he is a transsexual, a transvestite, uh, and he's actually gone through the change. Um, so it is a very interesting show, and it's about it's really a rock concert mixed with a kind of a TED talk because it's it's about his life and his journey from East Berlin to, to here wow. in the States. It's, a, it's an interesting. That sounds very interesting. It is a great show. It's a fantastic show. And how do you choose these shows? I mean, it, I mean, obviously, the, we have the, you know, your usual suspects like Mamma Mia and Les Mis, but how do you choose all of your shows? How do you put them together? Well, I, I try to say there's a formula, but there, you know, there is a formula, but you play. You, first, you got to learn your demographic. When I started at the Titusville Playhouse, um, I came from the cruise ship industry, but before that I was running two dinner theaters uh, in Colorado. And that's a dif different demographic, different patron than what we hear, have yeah. here in Florida, obviously. And so uh, my first year at the Playhouse, I was just learning what people wanted and what they were interested in. And it's, it's you listen and you learn, and that's pretty much how you do it. I, you always want a family-friendly show. Uh, I like to push the limits a little bit. Um, See, so this show that you're currently showing is pushes the limit uh, yeah, a little bit, right? Pushes the limits, and um, it also, it, as a community theater, I think it's our obligation to—I don't want to say educate our community, but to keep all aspects of our community engaged. Um, so it does bring a different voice and a different light. Uh, of oh my gosh, those are those people exist in the world, yeah. <laughs> uh, even though. And people will ask me, they're like, well. Like, this was our fifth year of doing Rocky Horror, which just closed. Uh, people uh, five years ago said, why are you bringing Rocky Horror to Titusville? But it has been five years well, why now. Why would anyone question that? 
just because it is um, it's more of a risque. It is a risque show. show. It is it's an out there show. It's a crazy show, but you know it also debuted in the seventies, uh, and I, I don't find that risque at all. People in the seventies are in their sixties now, yeah. so I mean it's you know it, it's it's our demographic, and it's fun to do Rodgers and Hammersteins and classics, but it's also fun to do something that makes people think and go, wow, I had never thought about that. We we completed our season last year with Fun Home, which is uh, uh, an autobiographical, no, that's incorrect. Autobi autobiographical, yes. thank you so much. <laughs> I knew it was somewhere around there. <laughs> uh, a musical of Alison Becknell's life, uh, growing up as a lesbian, and you know, there were some. There were some of our patrons that that was not their cup of tea. Uh, there were some of the patrons that didn't even know uh, that that her journey happened, and that came up to me and said, "Thank you for letting me know." So right. it is. It is our job. We just can't do Mama Mia's and Les Mis all the time. Uh, it is. It's. It's. It feeds our soul. You know, yeah, absolutely. Artistically. And that's the purpose of, of theater, yeah. is to instigate and make people think. But uh, the one interesting thing is that you mix equity actors, which are union actors, with uh, local people. And I want to know, how do you find these local talents? Because I haven't been to the Titusville Playhouse a few times. I'm like, oh my gosh, these people are amazing. <laughs> I'm very fortunate. I mean, I'm very, very fortunate. Um, um, we... We have auditions, just like every every theater around here. Uh, and the thing that we have consciously done is that if we do not have a person that is right for that part, then we go out and find that person. Um, but we've done very little of that in the past few years because we're getting a lot of influx of actors from the Orlando area. And so we do offer equity contracts if needed. Um, but the last two shows, uh, my newsies and hair, I had no equity contracts because I just had incredible local talent that came out and auditioned. Um, so th there was no equity talent involved in either one of those shows. And a shout out to our, our broadcast director, Rob Landers, who most recently played in newsies. He That's was also right. in Mamma Mia, and he did great. And he's in It's a Wonderful Life coming up. Okay, good. He's playing the evil Mr. Potter. <laughs> Pottersville and It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, I wouldn't say it's typecast, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is the one who's going to be, uh, might be editing the show. So, so he might edit he that might part out. He might cut that out. <laughs> so, but they, are these people, do they have a background in musical theater, or these are just people who decide one day that I want to be on stage? You know, um, a lot of uh, a lot of our Orlando talent that comes over, they're professionals. They do this. Uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Their, their background is entertainment. Their background is, is doing entertainment for a job. Um, a lot of the locals, and it's interesting, we mix the two, and it makes a beautiful uh, mix because the locals see the, the, the professional or equity talent, and, and the whole standard just rises up. Um, but the locals, it's a mixture of people who have a a normal 40, 50 hour a week job like everybody wow. else, and then they come into rehearsals at night, which I'm like, I can't believe they do it. It's crazy, and they're crazy talented too. It's just that they've chosen another path, but you know, they have a desire and, and want to be on stage and want to perform. 
Yeah, and it's it's a tough industry, I, I assume. But I want to talk about your background. You grew up in Alabama. I grew up in Alabama. How did you discover theater and musicals? Well, it's crazy how I discovered theater. I went to Auburn University, uh, and the very first day at Auburn, I was a trombone major because um, we didn't have music or theater, uh, vocal music or theater in my high school because it's Alabama. And um, uh, so I didn't think you could make a living uh, doing any of that. But we had a marching band and a concert band because we had a football team. So uh, I yeah. played instruments. And so uh, my very first day at Auburn, I see a poster on the wall in the music building that says, auditions at the theater tonight for Rogers and Hart, Sing for Your Supper, which is a musical review of Rogers and Hart music. And uh, I took my Sandy Patty, she's a, a, a contemporary Christian artist. Mm -hmm. I took my Sandy Patty company tape over to the theater <laughs> of How Great Thou Art, and I sang that, and I got cast in my very first show. And then I was like hooked from then on out. Wow. Hooked. It's crazy. I, I stayed a trombone or instrumental major for, for a complete year, but then I switched over to vocal emphasis. Uh, for my last couple of years. And most colleges, I don't know how it is where you're from, but most colleges don't, the theater and the music department don't play don't well. Okay. Well, you know, because the music department's all classically trained. And so I would do summer semesters and summer quarters uh, just theater. I would do my music stuff all during the normal season, through normal year. And then I would, I would go year round and go to the summers and just absorb every theater class I could absorb because there wasn't a musical theater degree. And how was it, what part of Alabama did you grow up in? Uh, it's north central, it's about 30 miles north of Birmingham. I grew okay. up on a small farm, I know, that's crazy. So you were growing <laughs> up on a small farm and you liked theater, I mean, uh, did you feel like uh, maybe a fish out of water at times? You know, I did not, it's crazy. Um, we, we I came from a very poor family. I mean, my I didn't know I was poor until I got out because <laughs> That's good. I, then I, you know, my, my, my family was so supportive and my mother and father, uh, I, now I know sacrificed so much to give us everything that we, we needed or, or, or wanted. Um, but it was just, it, we had a rich family in town and they had gone to New York and they had seen Annie in the 70s and they came back with the record and I remember singing Maybe and Tomorrow at the top <laughs> of my lungs. My mother came, that's the first time she realized that I could actually sing. I was singing Maybe Far Away in the with, with the album and she comes in my bedroom, she goes, turn that, that was you? And I was like, yes, what? And she was like, no, I didn't know you could sing. And so that's, so yes, I guess I was a fish out of water, but yeah. I never realized I was a fish out of water. But then, and, and then you also worked on cruise ships I, as a, as an and as an entertainer and a performer. I did. Yes. How was that experience? And what what exactly did you do on a cruise ship? I was a singer on ships. Uh, I was a production singer, so that meant I was part of the singers and dancers that are on the ship. Um, in college, I I worked as as a singer and dancer at Six Flags Over Georgia, um, and so. It's just the natural progression to go from a theme park to a cruise ship, and um, cruise ships pay lots of money. And so um, to feed my theater habit, I would go do a six-month contract on cruise ships and hoard all that money and then go theater, do theater for as long as my bank account could afford it. I'll give you a perfect example. So you're producing your own? No, this was pr produced okay. productions. I did cross over to the, the other side of the table where okay. I helped produce the shows, but uh, for the first eight, nine years, I was just a singer and okay. traveled the world. I was very fortunate. Uh, in 2000, I did my last 
cruise ship contract as a singer, as a performer. And it took me to Antarctica, and I had been to every continent. Wow. And I said, okay, I can check that off my, my list. Let's, let's, now I want a dog, I want a house. I want some normalcy in my life. But it was so fun be, because cruise ships paid. I got off my last ship making like $1,200 a week. And wow. I, I shouldn't say my last ship, but, uh, uh, but making that much money a week and went and did my first off-Broadway show legitimate at the York Theater, a very well-known, reputable off-Broadway show, making $240 a week. So it's it was just like, wow, what do I do to feed this theater yeah. habit? Because unless you're really in a, on a Broadway show, and and that's a crapshoot no matter what you do, I, you never know how long you're gonna be in a Broadway show. Unless you're on a Broadway show, living in New York City, uh, you really can't support yourself in the theater community. And you lived in New York for a while, and uh, I read that you decided to move after 9-11. I did, yeah. Um, I was I was living in the city, and I continued to live in the city till 2003, um, but, you know, the city lost some of its appeal and some of its, um, uh, my joy, I guess I should say. It, it just had a different feel and a different vibe, and what, what had happened was that um, a theater in Colorado had called me out in uh, November, December of 2001, uh, because when you become part of the union, you work for equity uh, for insurance weeks because yeah. you need X amount of weeks to, to have insurance. So I needed four more weeks for insurance that year. <laughs> <laughs> so went out to Colorado and was playing nicely nice in Guys and Dolls. And um, yeah, so they, they offered me a position as music director, then artistic director, and I just kind of made that switch over gradually. And um, it just seemed a natural progression for me. And what part of Colorado was Grand that? Junction, Colorado, which okay. is on the western slope. Uh, Grand Junction is the only major city between Denver and Salt Lake City. Oh, so wow. it's on the Utah-Colorado border. Beautiful area, beautiful, beautiful area. And it, it, that, that taught me so, so much because, again, it was a professional th dinner theater or a for-profit dinner theater. So unless I sold tickets and did uh, shows that brought people in, we didn't have paychecks. So... I still carry that today. <laughs> well, that's not a bad skill to have, right? It isn't, no. And we sort of operate the Titusville Playhouse from that mantra. Um, it is, um, we are driven by, by the enjoyment and the entertainment value. And actually, the cruise ships have also taught me that the experience, from the moment you buy a ticket to the moment the curtain falls, that whole experience uh, should be positive, should be entertaining, it should be, you know, it shouldn't be a hassle. And that makes it easy for you to come back and go, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And so from Colorado, how did you end up in Brevard County? How did Brevard how did County? Well, the producer I worked for, uh, for on the cruise lines as a singer, uh, it was his name was Peter Gracher Hune. Uh, he is located, was located. Uh, he passed away in 2011. But he his offices and rehearsal facility was located in Merritt Island and Cocoa. Okay. So since early 90s, I had been coming in to audition, uh, rehearse here in Brevard County and uh, rehearsing for months on end and exploring the, the area and then flying out and joining ships. Uh, so in 2000, uh, in 2008, he, asked, uh, he offered me a position as creative director at the company. Uh, so I took that job and it brought me back here to Brevard County. Wow, what an interesting, you've, you've lived Crazy. an interesting life. <laughs> And uh, you guys did such an amazing job at, at the Playhouse. And what have been your favorite shows or the ones that were 
the most hard, the, the hardest to put together? Well, it, it, it's interesting. We just talked about, well, you and I off camera talked about Les Mis. Yeah. Um, That's a tough one. It is it's a, a tough one. And, you know, um, I, I sort of say Les Mis is our turning point at the Titusville Playhouse. It's, um, it was a point that we were the first theater to actually acquire the rights to do the show, which was a, a feather in our cap. Um, it was our largest grossing show for many years. Um, but what had happened was that we had been through many years of transition, about three years of transition. And we had just started our remodeling process, uh, and we had just remodeled our stage. And so here we're doing Les Mis. And a lot of people came out to see if we were going to fall on our face. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually did it, and, and it was really well received, and it was really good. And we, you know, we did it with a 27-piece orchestra. It was lush wow. and was incredible. And I really say that was our turning point, because then the equity and the more professional talent in Orlando, they, they started looking up and going, wow, I want to go do a show over at, the play mm. at Titusville. And you know, we then started having slowly a little more people coming over. Um, and that started our, it's not the start of our growth, but that really put a put a big kick in our growth. And I want to talk about Les Mis. Why is Les Mis so special? That everybody loves it. I mean, you have the the technical and knowledge about it. What makes it such a great show? It is a great story. And it's, uh, the music, oh my gosh, it's the music. Is it not the music that yes. just drives you? I mean, it is just spectacular. I mean, there's nothing, well, I'm also a child of the the 70s and grew up in the 80s. So, you know, once once my once I grew from Annie in the 70s yeah. to the the late 80s, the first show I saw on Broadway was Les Mis. So that's the you know that's a special place in my heart. That you know, that's Les Mis. It's the first show I well, stepped off. It is the musical. It is yeah. the musical. That yeah. and Phantom. I mean, they were Maybe all. Maybe Hamilton will. Hamilton's amazing too. I haven't seen it. I was fortunate enough to see the original cast of Hamilton. I pulled a favor and got a house seat. Wow. Uh, and I was eighth row center. Did you pay for it or was it free? Yeah. Because it was like thousands of dollars. They are. It. House seats, the way house seats work, um, you, uh, I have a friend that was a general manager on the, the show. And yeah. so you call up a friend of a friend of a friend. And a house seat you still have to pay for. But uh, they're just seats put aside that are that okay. are nice. And I was just very fortunate to grab a house seat. And it was... $400, I think, but I mean, it wasn't totally thousands of thousands. It was, yeah. I didn't know if it was going to be worth it, but it was totally worth it. I didn't know anything about the show. I didn't know the hype. Uh, I mean, I did know the hype, but I had not listened to the soundtrack, but I went in there skeptical, and it it is life-changing, that show. Wow. It is amazing. So maybe when you can acquire the rights, maybe you put it to bring it to Titusville. I don't, yes, we <laughs> will. Never happens. We will if I'm still alive. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, Wicked, you can't even get Wicked still. And it's wow. it's an amazing show. And it's still going strong on Broadway. But, um, you know, there are shows that you can't that you get the rights to. get the right. rights to. Uh, but you did Mamma Mia in January, in January of this right. year, which is another popular show. And then it's just, is it just because of ABBA? I mean, it just, their songs are so great because and they feel good, don't they? I know it. I mean, I grew, I was born in the '80s, so obviously right. way after their peak. But it's just listening to them. It's just the kind of music that I feel transcends, and I think seems exactly. that that's what makes it for a good musical. Exactly, and you just sit there and you bebop and you bebop, and yeah. it's just a fun day, fun night because 
you know, we talk about theater making you think. This that's theater just no. to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't and, make you And there should be a mix of the two, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Right. It, that's what makes theater art, you know. Everybody doesn't like steak. So, yeah. so you know, you need to put a little bit of everything in there. Um, so I wanted, one question I'm curious to hear your opinion about is a lot of um, movie mu musicals have actors who are not singers, right. like Meryl Streep is a good example, uh, and Mamma Mia. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, especially <laughs> someone who is, who has made a living in theater? What are your thoughts about music, how they do mus musicals in film? I'm conflicted, and to be honest with you, I don't usually watch most of the musicals. Um, but I've never seen the Les Mis movie. Um, I've seen clips Russell of Crow it. Russell Crowe was not. I, I've I seen like, the They could have chosen someone better yes. for that. <laughs> Hugh Jackman is a natural. I mean, yeah, he, he got good. a start on the West End. I mean, he is a, he is a theater performer, and he, you just have no, I had no doubt that he was going to be incredible in that that role, um, but you know, I I try not to. There there are some musicals that are better in, on movie. I think Chicago's an, an, a much better movie mm -hmm. than it is live because some of the the shots from the 1920s to to real life and I, those are beautiful. I think Grease is a better musical on mm -hmm. on movie than live. Not that it's not fun live, but it's just. You know, we all grew up with the movie first, and so true. I think that's part of it. Too. It is part of it. You sit there and like, uh, but some, some, sometimes the movies do a great job translating the the show into a, a, a movie version. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. Sometimes there's a lot of auto tune. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I love Meryl Streep, but I have I have such a hard time watching her in Mamma Mia because she's not a good singer. <laughs> And like when she sings the, uh, the winner takes it all, which is my favorite song, which is like oh. amazing song. But the lady, I forgot her name, the actress in your production, she was amazing. Meryl Piper, yes, yeah, she and she was she was a Donna on the tour. Yeah. She was an understudy uh, and played Donna several times on the national tour, and uh, she was incredible. She actually sang that. That was her audition. That she she was a video submission for me okay. because I didn't really have a perfect Donna when we auditioned for the show. And uh, I put a national casting out, and she was a submission, and I heard her sing that, and it was a grainy, horrible iPhone video that she sent me from the tour yeah. of her singing that song, and it was like, okay, that's who I want. Let's see no, if we can get her. She was great. <laughs> yeah, so what did you think of Cher in Mamma Mia 2? I curious. haven't seen <laughs> it yet. How is she? I didn't like her. <laughs> I thought Cher, it's just like, she's a gifted singer, obviously. Oh, well, she's an icon. But it's Cher. she can move her face. Sorry, Cher, if you ever watch this. But I just thought it was, wow. I thought of the girl who plays Sophie is very good in the uh -huh. movie. Um, I always forget her name. Um, Amanda, yeah. But Cher was, um, I don't know. I have to be honest. You gotta watch it. I've not seen Mamma Mia or Mamma Mia 2 because uh, it's just, I, I don't, and watch those movies. I, I don't know why. And I have them. I own Mamma Mia. It's in my, my DVD. You just haven't seen it. No, and partly because I don't want the movie to influence me when I direct a show. And so um, I just haven't, you know. Yeah, that's clever. I just, I never watched it. So, so one question I have about what goes on in the production is how much of a pr the production is your personal touch and how much is it just how the show is done everywhere you watch it. How do you balance that? It's a mixture. It's always a mixture. Um, 
I try to find one or two things that I know I want my stamp to be on. Um, there, there are issues. I mean, um, there are iconic moments that you can't change. Um, the like, like, let's do Les Mis again. The end of Les Mis with the red flag and one day more. You have to have the red flag. Yeah. You know, and um, and actually when we produced it, it, it was it was against the licensing to use the turntable. So I got to bring my my creativity to the table, figuring out how to translate the show without using a turntable. Mm. So there are there are all those you can put your stamp on it. But there are things that you're just not allowed to change to preserve the the show as yeah. it is. Yeah, I mean you get a you get a guideline of the show and you, you know they don't they don't say you must they say you must not change words and music and things like that but uh, they don't say any way that you 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 can reinvent it as in the way you 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 look at it they don't allow you to reinvent gender swaps though you have to request that so like if mm -hmm. I wanted to make Ursula and Little Mermaid a man <laughs> you're really supposed to ask okay. Disney if that's okay um, and see if it, like in Newsies that we did earlier this year, I worked with Disney Theatrical about two years ago about putting women as Newsies. And we, we researched, they were researched, uh, that there were female Newsies of the time period. And then they signed off on some, uh, some line changes that we did. We made Spot Conley, who is the, the feared uh, Newsie from the other borough, uh, we made him a female because oh, wow. it was just amazing that they talk about being scared of Spot, being scared of Spot, being scared of be, and then when we unveil Spot, it's a woman. It's a girl <laughs> in a skirt, yeah. and it's just—I mean, it, it, I thought that was a great moment. I got chills every time the curtain lifted and saw her standing there in her long skirt, and it's the power for the woman. It was amazing. It was—it was a great moment for me, yeah. but I had to ask if I could do that. Wow, that's so interesting. I'd love to hear what happens behind the scenes. So we have roughly a minute left, okay. but I want to talk about what is the future of the Titusville Playhouse and shows that perhaps you might want to still bring here. Well, uh, we want to do Phantom of the Opera just as soon as we can ever do it. Uh, it is locked up for the next couple of years. Um, they, I go to New York at least once a year and talk to people. I've got friends that are in the industry and try to work as much magic, magic as I can do to bring new and exciting theater here to Brevard County. Awesome. Stephen, thank you so much. I had a, a great time talking to you. Thank you <laughs> thank so you. much. I appreciate thank it. You. Thanks for having me. <laughs> That's it for I Am Brevard today. You can re-watch all of our shows on Florida Today's YouTube channel. See you next week when I'll talk to radio host Bill Mick about the results of the midterm elections.